You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. The title of my sermon today is called Hold On to Faith. Hold on to faith. My daughter, who just turned one years old last week, and we had her first birthday, and got to give her cake and Rice Krispie treats, and uh, have presents for her. She has a bit of a uh, a strength to her that that we weren't expecting uh, at one years old. She has a grip that uh, is very hard to break through. Um, a lot of times, the things that she's gripping. Uh, are things that she's not supposed to have. But whenever she gets a hold of something, she usually holds on tight to it where you have to pry finger by finger to get to it, or um, she takes off running away from us, or um, you try and interfere with it to try and get her to let go, and and she won't do it. She just has this grip and this determination to hold on to whatever she has in her hand, and she's not going to let any outside influence take it from her. Today we're going to visit a story in the Bible that revolves around this concept, and will hopefully teach you today how to hold on to faith. No matter who tries to pull the faith out of your hand, who tries to chase you down, in your life, I want to encourage each and every one of us today to hold on to faith today. We're going to pull some truths out of this story in the Gospel of Mark to help us today hold on to faith. You see, in Romans ten seventeen, the Scripture says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So we understand for us to hold on to faith, uh, we have to understand and figure out what faith is and how we get faith. And we've heard this in in messages before, uh, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we're going to read some scripture today. We're going to read a story in Mark chapter 5 today, um, and we're going to help build up your faith because that's, that's how faith comes into your life and into your spirit through your ears so how can, you, how can you hold on to something if you don't have it yet? So what we're going to do is work and build your faith today with Scripture so that you can hold on to faith. This is a Scripture and a story that we've probably heard before when we've been in church. It's the story of Jesus helping out Jairus whenever it comes to helping his daughter who is sick and dying. We start in the story in Mark chapter 5, verse 21. Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. Verse 22 says, And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw him being Jesus, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. We'll stop at verse 24. So Jesus went with him and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. We see Jesus showing up to this city. And this man, this man who no doubt has influence, this man who no doubt probably has money, uh, has power, has fame in the community as being a part and tied to the synagogue, comes to Jesus 
who is by this time, it says, is thronged by people. There's a great multitude around them. No doubt people that Jairus knows, Jairus respects, people that respect Jairus. And this man humbly falls at the feet of Jesus in front of all these people because there is a need, there is a want, there is a desire, there is a miracle that needs to happen in his life and in his daughter's life. And he puts all of his pride, he puts uh, all of his feelings and everything aside to get to Jesus. And some of the truths that we're going to pull out of this story today will help you hold on to faith because it's possible, more than likely, that in your life that you're going through something. We, we talked about a sermon uh, probably a month or two ago called, I Will Survive Any Storm. And we talked about how we know and we believe that there's probably three things that are happening in our lives. We've, we are either coming out of a storm, we're in the middle of a storm, or we're about to head into a storm. And we, we talked in that sermon about how to prepare to survive any storm. And so I want to help you in, in whatever situation that you need, that, that you, you need something from Jesus and how to hold on to faith to see that miracle, to see that manifestation that you're believing for, that you're standing for, that you're trusting for, show up in your life. The first truth that we can pull out of this story is that, one, you need to pray, and pray by faith. You see, it's important that we pray. We talk about this all the time. We're having a monthly night of prayer. We, we, we see it in the Scriptures, uh, the importance and the power of prayer. And we see Jairus, he doesn't uh, go to uh, his prayer closet and, and pray to God when Jesus is on earth at that time. He goes straight to the source and he walks straight up to Jesus, falls on his face, and look at what he says in verse 23. My little daughter lies at the point of death. You see, he prays, much like we've prayed before to God. We pray and we make this, uh, this statement. Um, we're honest with God. We let him know how we feel. And we let our emotions go when we talk with God. God, I need you. God, where are you? God, what's going on? There has to be something that happens in this moment or I'm not going to make it. We see that he prays, but... The second part of this truth is not only does he pray, he also prays in faith. My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. Look at how he's praying. He's praying. Uh, yes, he's asking God in, to come and help him. But he's also praying a prayer of faith. I know that you will come. I know that you can lay your hands on her. And I know that when you lay your hands on her, she'll be healed and she will live. You see in Hebrews 11, chapter 6, I mean Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I want you to know today that God is moved by your faith. As soon as Jairus presents this prayer to Jesus, Jesus, please come and see my daughter. And then he makes this statement of faith that you come lay your hands on her and you will see her come alive. And look at verse 24 at what Jesus does. 
Does Jesus question it? Does Jesus say no? Does Jesus say I'm not coming? No, no. God is moved by our faith. So Jesus immediately goes with him and the people around him follow him. So the first truth that we pull out of this is to pray and also pray by faith. Yes, it's important for us to pray and ask God um, and tell God what's going on in our life, but it's also important for us to remind God of who he is and what he has said he is going to do. The second truth that we can pull out of this story is to be encouraged by others' miracles and not discouraged. If you keep reading this story, if you go into verse 25 and 26 and so on, you'll see that while they are walking to Jairus' house, this woman shows up on the scene. She touches the hem of her garment, and it's this woman we find out that has had this sickness for 12 years. She spent all of her money going to all the doctors, and nobody has helped her. Nobody has fixed it. She is struggling, and she is dealing with her own need for a miracle. And she reaches out in faith and touches the hem of his garment. It says that Jesus feels something released from him, and he stops everybody and his disciples. He says, who touched me? disciple said, everyone's touching. Look at all these people. They're everywhere. He said, no, no, no. Something happened. Because once again, we see another instance that God is moved by someone's faith. She reaches out by faith and touches the hem of his garment and is instantly healed. And God is reacting to her faith. And he looks around and talks to her and she says and explains the story to him. She says, your faith has made you whole. Go and be healed of your affliction. Now, this would have been the perfect time for Jairus to jump in the middle of this, push the woman away, and said, you know, it's not time for your miracle. It's time for my miracle. I've been praying. I've been believing. I've been standing. And it's time for you to go. You can talk with Jesus later. And we think of that whole scenario, and we think how comical that would be But how many of us in our own lives, we are praying and we're believing and we're asking God for miracles and signs and wonders. We're just asking God something simple like, will you talk to me? Will you love me? Will you forgive me? Will you show up? Will you take care of me? We come to church or we see somebody at work or we see somebody in the grocery store and they say, oh, let me tell you what God's done for me. And they tell you about this amazing thing that God has done in the back of your mind. You're just grumbling and complaining. Why didn't God do that for me? Why didn't, why didn't God care about me? Or why'd God do it to them? I, I know who they are, and I know what they do on the weekends, and we start judging them and figuring out a way to try and cancel out why they received something that you should have received or that I should have received. And then we start putting on ourselves, well, well I'm so much better than them, and, and I pray and read my Bible more than them. Why didn't that miracle happen to me? But that's not what we see in this story, and that's not the truth that we can pull out when I'm encouraging you to hold on to faith, that we should be encouraged by others' miracles, not discouraged. It should encourage you when you talk to someone and they say, God healed me, God restored me, God saved me, God freed me from this addiction, God God showed up when nobody else showed up. Look in, it says in Romans chapter 12, verse 15, It says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. 
That when we talk with somebody who had a miracle, when, when God showed up and, and the supernatural met the natural, we rejoice with them, we celebrate with them. That should help build our faith. That should help motivate us. Well, if God helped them, then that means God wants to help me. It says in the scriptures that God's no respecter of persons. So if he loved on them, then I'm so excited that him loving on me is just around the corner. Hold on to that faith. Hold on to that belief. Don't don't discredit the person who received it, but rejoice with them. If we keep reading in the story after Jesus had this interaction with this woman, we're going to drop down to Mark chapter 5, verse 35. And it says in verse 35, while he was still speaking, he's still talking to this woman. She just got healed. They're having this conversation. It says, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? The next truth that we can pull out of this passage is do not be led by natural news. Do not be led by natural news. You see in life, it says in the scriptures that it rains on the just and the unjust. We understand that bad things happen to good people. And as you go throughout life, You're going to get bad news. You're going to hear about a a death. You're going to hear about a loss. You're going to hear about a struggle. You're going to experience something. And just when you think you're on the rise, just when you think you're on the climb, something's going to come against you. Something in in the natural is, is going to be spoken. You might get an email. You might get a text. You might get a call. You might get a diagnosis. And in order to hold on to your faith, I want you to not be led by the natural news. Jairus is in the middle of watching this woman receive her miracle of over 12 years of having this sickness, this disease, this pain, this issue. And no doubt his faith might have been rising at that moment. Well, if he healed this woman that had a sickness for 12 years, and my daughter's only been sick for, I don't know, 12 hours, 12 days, he's going to come and heal her. I know he can do it. If he's doing it for her, he'll do it for me. And this, his family shows up, his friends show up, and they whisper in his ear, don't, don't trust Jesus, don't believe Jesus anymore, don't bother Jesus anymore, don't ask him to do anything anymore. Your daughter's dead. Your dream's dead. The diagnosis is worse than what was expected. The job lets you go. Whatever situation that comes against you, when that natural news, whatever it is, shows up, when you read it, when you hear it, don't be led by it. Don't let it shake. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus. Keep your eyes focused on Him. Keep your eyes focused on the miracle signs and wonders. Keep your eyes focused on the the new covenant and what He did for you and what He paid the penalty for you. Don't be led astray by just hearing the bad news. Look at what Jesus has to say when he hears that bad news the same time Jairus hears it. Look at verse 36. And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. Look, Jairus heard the same thing that Jesus heard. 
And as soon as Jesus heard it, he wasn't led by the natural news. And he spoke immediately to Jairus. Do not be afraid, only believe. Which leads me into my next truth. Hold on to faith. Look at what Jesus said. Do not be afraid. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, the scripture says, but of power and of love and a sound mind. It says that perfect love casts out all fear. And there is Jesus, the picture of perfect love, standing in front of Jairus, and he is casting out his fear. He says, do not be afraid. Only believe. Hold on to faith. Faith is believing. Hold on to faith. Hold on to the prayer that you prayed, whether it was 12 seconds ago, 12 minutes ago, 12 years ago. Hold on to faith and believe that God is going to show up, that God is going to answer that prayer. He's going to restore you. He's going to help you. He's going to minister to you. He's going to do exactly what he said and exactly what you asked for. Mark eleven twenty two. you've heard this scripture before and you'll hear it ever again. And it says in Mark eleven twenty two. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Verse 23, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and here's the the cue, and does not doubt in his heart, hold on to faith, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have faith. Whatever it says, verse 24 of Mark 11, it says, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. We see that evident in this story that Jairus asked Jesus to come to his house. He believes that Jesus is going to heal his daughter, not only heal her, but make her live again. And Jesus says in Mark eleven twenty four. you will have them. Whatever's going on in your life, whatever's happening today, I want you to walk out of this church today with the simple truth impressed upon your brain, upon your heart, upon your spirit, and make this simple declaration. If you're writing down notes, write this down. I will have faith in God. I will have faith in God. You hold on to faith no matter the situation that's coming your way. Look at verse 37 as we continue on. Let's pull some more truths out of this scripture. Verse 37 of Mark chapter 5, And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. In verse 38, Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. The fifth truth that we're going to extract out of this is do not be led by your emotions. Imagine the scene that they are walking up to in this house. One, back in the day, during Jewish time and tradition, is when there was a death, they would hire these mourners to come and come to the house or come to the funeral and they would wail and they would cry. And so no doubt you already have this family that is mourning the loss and the death of a young child and a young generation. But you also have these mourners and wailers that are there 
that are paid to do that. Imagine the drama. Imagine the scene. Imagine all of these things. Imagine the emotion. Imagine as Jairus is walking up to his house and he sees his wife. And he sees the tears in her eyes and the pain on her face. And if they had more children, if, if, if there were brothers and sisters, if there were uncles and aunts, if there were grandparents, if there were family members, if there were friends that are at this house and they know the daughter is sick, they know that he's left to go find Jesus, they know that she's already died and they've already sent people to go tell him to leave Jesus alone and that it's time to come back and bury your daughter. That sounds like a very dire situation. That sounds like the worst of worst that's out there. And yet he shows up with Jesus. He doesn't push Jesus away. And Jesus encourages him, don't be afraid. Have faith and believe. And now he's in this moment. It gets worse. It's intensified. He sees everybody around there. And the truth that we can pull out of this is don't be led by your emotions. Don't be led by the natural news of what happens, of what you read, of what you hear, and don't be led by your emotions. We know that our emotions honestly aren't our friends. They can tell us so many different things. They can lead us so many different ways that our emotions can just put us in the moment of a situation. Have you ever read a text message from your spouse from a friend or family member, and because they didn't put their punctuation right, because they they put the wrong emoji or they misspelled something or they didn't add something, that all of a sudden this emotion rose up inside of you. You got mad at them. You got angry at them. All of a sudden your thumbs are going crazy as you're texting back or you call them or you, you drive to the house and you see them and they say, what are you talking about? The The text I meant was this, or, oh, I misspelled, or I left this word out. You say, oh, okay, well, that changes. And then our emotions change. And we don't be led by our emotions. When we're holding on to faith, our emotions can tell us so many different things, but sometimes our emotions aren't right. It's hard for us to hear. We don't like to be told to not be led by those emotions, because sometimes those emotions... They help us feel good. They help us feel like we're empowered in that moment. That Jairus could have let his emotions run wild in that moment, but he had Jesus by his side. He had a word from God by his side, and he wasn't going to let the emotion of that situation be changed than what Jesus already told him and what he was already believing. Let's pull out another truth. Verse 39. When he came in, Jesus, he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? This child is not dead, but sleeping. The next truth that we can pull out of this is believe God's word over man's word. Look at Jesus as he's putting a clear definition, a clear line between what he's saying and what the world's saying. Why are you making this commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. The earthly word that came, the natural news that came, the emotion that came was the child is dead, leave Jesus alone, quit praying and asking for that, quit seeking after him, quit trying to figure out a way that God will answer your prayers, leave him alone and let dead be dead. And Jesus shows up 
and he says his truth. The natural truth was that that girl was dead. The sickness had overcome and taken her and she was dead. But God's word was completely different than man's word. He said, she's not dead, but she's sleeping. Sometimes God's word is going to so contradict man's word. It's going to so look completely opposite to what's going on in your world. Look at Numbers chapter 23, verse 19. It says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said it, will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? God is not a man that he should lie. If he said it, he's going to do it. And sometimes speaking God's word looks so different than what the natural saying. Speaking God's word is so different than what the doctor's saying, than what your boss is saying, than what your spouse or your kids or the news is saying or social media is saying. But in order for you to hold on to faith, you're going to have to get God's word in your mouth and get it out into the natural to come against whatever man's word is. Man's word says it's dead, it's over, it's forsaken, leave God alone, leave God out of it. And God says, no, 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 I'm only starting, I'm only beginning what I'm about to do. She's not dead, she's only sleeping. We'll look at the next truth as we read. And in verse 40, we see mankind and humanity out there, what they do. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. When God speaks his truth to you, when God speaks to you, and you speak that truth to other people, boy, are they going to backfire on you. Well, God says this, and, and I was in my prayer time, and I was at church, and, and, and the Scripture came to me, and, and the Word of God came to me during prayer, and, and I feel like God wants me to go in this direction. Boy, is humanity going to jump back at you. Boy, is your family, your friends, people who aren't Christians, your coworkers, they're going to say, they're going to ridicule you. I can't believe you're trusting God in this, trusting God in that. And the next truth that we can pull out of this, number seven, is you need to check your circle of influence. Look at what Jesus does with all of the people who are ridiculing him and Jairus and and his disciples. He says he had put them all outside and he made his circle so much smaller. And he took the father and the mother of the child and those that were with him, just his three main disciples, Peter, James, and John, and they entered to where the child was lying. If you're going to hold on to faith in whatever situation you're going through, you're going to have to check your circle of influence. Look at 1 Corinthians 15.33. It says, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. If you're going to go on this journey of faith, if you're going to walk faith out in your life to see a healing, to see a relationship restored, to see you come out of addiction to see you break a sin cycle, to just simply walk in faith and experience His salvation, you're going to have to let some people go. 
You're going to have to close in your circle of influence. You can still be acquaintance, acquaintances with people. It says in the scriptures over and over again to do your best to live peaceably with all people, it says in Romans. But when it comes to walking by faith, when I do it in my life, there's only certain people that I allow that me and my wife talk about things, dreams, desires, hopes, prayers, things that we have when it comes to the church, our relationship, our children, our house, our friends, our family, where we let each other know where we stand in faith. When we were going uh, and found out that our uh, Maddie was pregnant for Eliza, and we had some, some interesting things happen with the first pregnancy, and we were trying to build our faith back up to believe for some, uh, some, some crazy things to happen, for, for Maddie to have this second baby naturally and not have another C-section. And there were only a certain amount of people that we were talking to about that. Because when we talked to the doctors about it, because we had to, they would say, well, you're probably going to have to, and this is going to happen, and we got to be prepared, and okay. We weren't going to be led by the natural news of what the doctor was saying. We weren't going to be led by our emotions telling us that we were angry that the doctors were saying she had to have a C-section, that, that we were frustrated with what happened in the first pregnancy. No, no, no. We, we had a small circle of influence. We talked to my parents, and we talked to my pastors, and, and we talked to her parents. We said, this is what we're believing for. We didn't let everybody else in, and we had people that would tell us horror stories, and, and you've had that same in your life. You, you stand out in faith and believe that God's going to do something, and all of a sudden the naysayers show up. You just got to push those people aside, but you've also got to have a small circle of influence us as your pastors, people here in the church, men and women of faith that you can go to and say, my life isn't where I want to be in this situation, but I'm believing God by faith he's going to do this, and I'm holding on to it till I see the miracle signs and wonders. And that person will grab your hand and say, I believe with you. I'm praying with you. I'm standing by faith with you. We'll see that miracle, and we'll rejoice together, and we'll weep together through it all, and we'll see God show up. Let's continue on with the story. We're almost done. Verse 41. Then Jesus took the child by the hand and he said to her, Talithia kumai, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. And all of a sudden, we see the miracle. We see the miracle happening in this moment. Who knows how long this little girl had been sick no doubt her parents had called the doctors. They had probably prayed. They'd gone to the synagogue. They had talked with the priest. They'd done everything that they knew they could do. And then he heard about Jesus and he goes to Jesus. Who knows how long it takes for Jesus to get from the boat to interacting with the woman to walking to his house. Did it take five minutes? Did it take 30 minutes? Did it take five hours? Did it take the whole day that it takes him to get there. And imagine the ups and downs on this journey of just one day. I can only imagine you as you're believing for one day, one week, one month, one year, one decade. This man goes through all the highs and lows and emotions and here he is. He's prayed, he's talked to God, he's believed, 
He's been hit with all this news and all this emotion and all this drama. But in that, in, in that whole experience, God is still speaking with him. And he's right by his side and he's still leading him and guiding him. And the eighth truth that we pull out of this story is believe until you see. I want to encourage you to hold on to faith. You keep believing until you see that miracle. You keep believing until God shows up. You do not let go. You do not doubt in your heart. You have faith in God and you believe until you see the manifestation of what you're standing on in the truth and the Word of God. Hebrews 11.1, 1, we know this scripture. It says, now, right now in this moment, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now is your moment to stand out in faith and believe that you're going to see what you aren't seeing right now, the manifestation and the assurance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Look at verse 42. Immediately, immediately, look at this suddenly moment of God showing up. Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. Not only was this miracle which he, what he was asking for, it was over in abundance of what he was thinking. He says, come, let me go back to the original prayer. He says, when he saw him and fell at his feet and begged him, he says, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. No, we have no idea how long she was in this bed, in this condition, how weak she was. Not only does God heal her, but look, she immediately arises out of bed and starts walking. Don't forget that God is a God of abundance. The prayer that you're praying, the things that you're believing, the scriptures that you're standing on, God not only wants to fulfill it, but he even wants to go further. Remember, Jesus came to give life and more abundantly, it says in the scriptures. Be encouraged today that when God meets that need, when God shows up, when God sees you holding on to faith, that he reacts and he responds to your faith declarations. Not only is he going to answer your prayer, but he's going to do it so much much more because God is coming to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you've asked or thought. So number nine, our truth that we see out of this scripture is thank and worship your God for your answered prayer and miracle. It says they were overcome with great amazement. No doubt their eyes were open to seeing who their Savior was. Yeah, they heard about Jesus. They heard all the miracle signs and wonders. But like we talked about in offering, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is he that trusts him. Jairus and his wife and his child, they tasted and see that the Lord was good for their own experience. They saw the miracle signs and wonders. And now is the time even in this, that you're holding on to faith, that you raise your hands and you say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you're doing, what you're going to do, what you're doing in my life. This is the scripture. This is the word. This is the truth that I'm standing on. And I'm not going to believe any lie from the devil. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy. But that's not what he's going to do in my life and in this situation. I'm believing for life. I'm believing for abundance to happen in my life. Now is the time to thank and worship God for your answered prayer. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God who has already given you the victory. Guess what? 
I don't know what you're going through right now and you might feel like you're losing, but church, I want to tell you today, you already have the victory. Hold on to the faith and hold on to the victory that God has already given you through Jesus Christ. And the last truth that we have in the last verse, but he commanded them strictly that no one should know it. And he said that something should be given to her to eat. You see, when Jesus was on the earth, he told people time and time again, please do not tell anyone that I have done this. The reason he was doing that is because he was trying to prolong his time on the earth. You see, the more fame he got, the more well-known he got throughout the area, the more people came to him and the more uh, he he was shown throughout the area. And so, remember, as, as his miracle signs and wonders at the very beginning of his ministry, he couldn't even go into towns anymore because of the people and the multitude. He had to go uh, into the deserts, and he had to go the long ways, and it was hindering him from uh, doing as much ministry as he wanted to do. And so he's always telling people, don't tell anybody, don't tell anybody. But see, that's not the, the world that we live in now. Because Jesus, right before he leaves and goes back up into heaven, he gives the great commission. He says, go and tell everybody about me. Go and do miracles, signs, and wonders. You go out into all the world. You go and tell everybody about who I am and what I've done. The last truth that we have is share your testimony. Revelations, it says, we overcame that dumb dragon, that dumb serpent, that dumb devil by the word of our testimony and the blood of the Lamb. When God does something for you, when you hold on to faith for all these hours, all these days, all these years, and God shows up, you go out there and you share your testimony with people. And in conclusion, Jesus heard Jairus' request and faith declaration, which prompted Jesus to move. Jesus followed Jairus through the whole journey of his miracle and answered his prayer. The beautiful thing, Jesus was there during the news getting worse, the negative statements, the emotions, the death. Jesus was there for the miracle. Now, we don't have to go and find Jesus in this world. The wonderful thing about Jesus no longer being here is that the Holy Spirit is now in us. Look at John chapter 16, verse 7 and verse 13. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. That makes no sense at all. Jesus, here in the flesh, and you're telling me it's your advantage that you leave, that it's better? But he says, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I'll send him to you. Look at verse 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. You see, Jesus in this story is a beautiful representation of who the Holy Spirit is inside of us. It says in the scriptures that he'll never leave us or forsake us, that we don't have to go and find Jesus. Jesus isn't in Israel. He isn't in Jerusalem, and we don't have to go find him to get our miracle. We don't have to be like the woman with the issue of blood. We don't have to be like Jairus and go run and find from town to town, from city to city, from state to state, country to country to find Jesus to get our miracle. Jesus said, it's it's to your advantage that I leave because now he put his spirit inside of us. We don't have to go searching 
for Jesus to help us, all we can do is just call on the Holy Spirit right now. It says that He's our comforter, says that He's our helper, says that He's our spirit of truth. And we see that in this story. Jesus comforts Jairus through the whole time. Jesus helps Jairus through the whole situation. Jesus is the spirit of truth through the whole situation. All this negativity, all these lies, all these natural truths are out there, and Jesus keeps speaking the truth. The Holy Spirit is inside of us today, and He will help you hold on to your faith. He will comfort you through the good times and the bad times. He will help you and guide you into all truth. I want to remind you, as we finish today, to hold on to faith. How do we hold on to faith? As we go through this story, remember to pray. And not only pray, but pray by faith. Remember to be encouraged by others' miracles. And don't be discouraged by somebody else getting their miracle. Rejoice with them. Remember, we're not going to be led by natural news. We're going to hold on to faith. We're not going to be led by our emotions. We're going to believe God's word over man's word. We're going to check our circle of influence and we're going to share our faith statements with those people and those people only. We're going to believe until we see. The last two, we're going to thank and worship our God for our answered prayer and miracle before it comes, when it comes, and after it comes. And then we're going to go out and share our testimony. I'm going to leave you with this statement that Pastor John used to say. Pastor John used to make this statement. He says, I will not let my circumstance change my doctrine, but I will let my doctrine change my circumstance. I don't know what circumstance you're in today, but I want to encourage you, don't believe a lie that God isn't good, that God doesn't love you, that God doesn't want to help you. It's time for you to stand up and declare and hold on to faith and say, my circumstance is going to change because of the doctrine that I believe, because of the theology that I believe, because of the Bible that I believe, that God is good, He does good things, and He's going to do good things for me. Hold on to faith, family, and believe that God is going to change your situation in Jesus' name. I'm going to pray and dismiss y'all, and we will see y'all next week and take communion together, and we'll pray together next Monday. So, Father, we thank you today, and we choose to hold on to faith. I don't know what area of life people are believing and needing you to do something. I don't know what part of the story, like what we read today that they're in, that they're letting their emotions run wild. They're believing the news that's coming at them. But God, I ask you to help us hold on to faith. That we pray and we pray faith declaration because we know when we pray by faith that you are moved and you respond to those faith declarations. And Father, we just thank you right now that you're going to answer our prayers. We believe that you will and we look for that to happen. We choose today to have faith in God. Above all of our circumstances, above whatever else is going, whatever's happened in our past, whatever we're going through right now, we choose to have faith in God. Father, I thank you for this congregation. Protect them, keep them safe, cause them to prosper in everything they do, and bring us back all safely next Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you. Thank you so much for your time and listening. Hopefully this word blessed you, and we will see you next week. Take care, family. 
Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.